This episode of the Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast is brought to you by Pirelli and the new Diablo Rosso 4 Sport Bike Tire. Hello, my fellow Brabantonians. Yeah. Welcome to another weekly podcast. Weekly. This is Brap Talk. We talk about motorcycles, yeah, yeah. the motorcycle industry, life, brother, the universe, and everything. And everything. Uh, I am your host on this magical adventure. Jensen Beeler is my name. And with me is the man. They call him the cowboy to my rodeo. Mr. Shaheen Avandi! I feel like I feel like we can remix that. Put a couple of fr- 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 in there. Some maybe horn, like some French horn. Some French horns. Yeah. And then maybe like a couple of like Arsenio Hall whoop whoop whoops in there. Oh yeah. There's a lot of production value to There's, go into there that. Could be, there could yeah. be a lot. People are paying good money to be in this. And I uh, feel like Pirelli's paying us good money. Those are people, I think. Yeah. Are incorporations people? In the U.S. they are. In the U.S. they are. That's, they a, whole vote. Di- that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Listen, it's late. Even the capitalist in me is like, I'm not sure that was a good idea. I feel idea. uncomfortable with this. <laughs> We're feisty. It's 10.22 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so if everything goes according to plan, it's like 10.30 Tuesday night. You're getting this podcast like 5 p.m. Wednesday afternoon. Wow. I'm going to do it on the plane. I got to go fly somewhere. Listen, you tried to do this on the plane last time, and it was weird. I only had one hand that time. This time, no, I got both, this time I got both hands. Uh, it's just really hard. Like, like I, what I couldn't do before was one, put my luggage in the overhead container. What was that like? Did you have to ask like the nice lady next yeah. to you, please help you lift that no, thing? Uh, I had uh, one very nice steward and then two very nice people in the cabin with me. That's did it amazing. For me. Was your arm at least in the sling? Yeah, no, it was in the sling. Okay, because if it wasn't, I'd be like, you lazy fuck. Pick that shit up. Yeah, my favorite though was <laughs> in the sling. I'm in like the aisle seat. Every single person that walked uh, by everyone hit my shoulder. Just fucking hips and asses on that elbow. To the point like someone, th- this girl walks down. She's like, how many people have hit your shoulder so far? And like every <laughs> single one, every <laughs> single one walked by. You're just sitting there sobbing. I'm in aisle know. 10 and in, it's a 40 aisle plane. Every single one of it them. It hurts a lot. Yeah. No. Um, no, I should be able to get this done. I have confidence. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's a two hour flight. It'd be fine. What could go wrong? I'll mix it tonight. I'll edit it on the plane. I'll drop it when I land. Drop it like it's hot. Drop hot tracks. <laughs> uh, on my way to Ibiza. What's that? Ibiza. Wait, are you going to Ibiza? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> you're just going to California. I'm going to California. It's the Ibiza of America. <laughs> I don't think everyone's ever said that. Well, if you're going to say it about somewhere, California is kind of fair. I'd be like, eh, okay. Yeah, you know. It's not like you're like, Idaho, the Ibiza of America. I'm like, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Boise, Idaho, otherwise known as the Ibiza of California. <laughs> yeah. Somebody listening from Boise is like, I wish. It's called Ibiza. There's a Z. It's an Ibiza, you stupid illiterates. Go hug a tree. I was conceived. Hey, in, I was conceived in Idaho. I was. I was made in Idaho. I believe that. Yeah. You know why? Because they were driving to California. I think they were stuck in a blizzard. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a ski trip. 
Um, blah, 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 blah. You have stories. Tell me stories. Where Where were you tonight? Why are we recording so late? Listen, I had a phone call from a friend who said, what are you doing tonight? Recording a podcast. No, you're not. No, I am. That's the thing that I do tonight. No, no, you're, you're going to come out to dinner with me and Gigi. I'm like, Gigi who? Gigi. Gigi. And he just said Gigi. And I'm like, I only know like one Gigi. Who's didn't say Luigi? Hey, how you doing? Um, so Gigi Dalinia, which I feel like I'm pronouncing it halfway okay. Yeah, close. Close enough. He's the GM of Ducati Corsa. He's the guy. He's the guy. Him if you've me. watched MotoGP, you've seen this unibrowed, handsome man looking super duper <laughs> stressed out in the Ducati paddocks at some point or another. His unibrow game is strong. It, and the thing is, he has it got like strong. all the Italian swagger. Yeah. Zero he's, fucks about that. Zero unibrow. fucks and handsome yeah. as fuck with. <laughs> and he's got that. He just speaks very slowly and calculated, mostly because English is not even remotely his first language, mm-hmm. but he speaks eloquently and well. And my wife was, I, dude, I thought I was going to lose my wife tonight. That oh, you brought Anne as a date? I brought Anne as a date. Okay, because I was going about to give you some shit where it's like, hey, I'm going to fuck up your night of recording podcasts to go have dinner with Gigi, but you should come be my date because, you know. I know. Bros. But I got, I got. But you, you brought, you brought Anne. I brought that, my wife. That's better. That's, that's fair. I thought, I thought you just went stag. No. And just forgot, for, forgot a bro. No, no. Bro I, I brought, left behind. I brought the bro. I brought my wife. Okay. Like the bros of them all for me. I, 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 I retract. Yeah. Gigi. Very nice. He showed me the collection. Ugh, I mean, he just, ugh. Listen, I'm 42 years old. Not a lot of things surprise me. Having being sat more or less next to Gigi because Anne had to be between us, weirdo, um, was surreal. I didn't think I would be sitting next to the GM of Ducati Corsa having a conversation about wine. Apparently, Gigi loves wine, loves and wine. that's why he came Big to Oregon. Guy. Yeah, he came to came for the Pinot. Stayed have for a the taste Shaheen. of our Pinot. Yeah, and stayed for a meal at Olympia Provisions. Yeah. Uh, what secrets did he tell you that you told him you wouldn't tell on the podcast? The thing with me is I hold on to secrets. Mm. He didn't really tell me secrets. He worked, okay. Honestly, just wine. And then he was upset about like Jack Miller's tire choice. Apparently Jack doesn't listen to anybody. I did learn something. You probably already knew this, but he put it as this. In MotoGP or in motorcycle racing in general, front tire, rider's choice. Rear tire, engineer's choice. Interesting. Except this last weekend at austin jack miller didn't listen to engineers i could see that because the front end is a lot of rider feel like like okay obviously this show's sponsored by pirelli but that those are the tires i race so i know <laughs> i know that i know them the best right uh in pirelli land you generally choose from the sc1 and the sc2 those tires are the exact same compound different construction on the carcass so really what you're getting difference wise is the stiffness in the carcass right some people like the feedback on the brakes of the sc2 because it's going to be more precise some people like the squish of the sc1 and the way it works and you can more or less kind of it's it's a personal choice thing it's not going to fuck up your shit too much right between the two of them Rear tire, on the other hand, very much down to conditions, temperature, setup, longevity. So I can see like, yeah, the rider gets to pick which one they like at the front. Engineers like, we did the maths. This is the one that's going to do, last the, longest, do the thing. Do the it thing. works with the strategy. Right. This is what you're putting on. So, I can, yeah, I can so what happens that. is if you if you choose the wrong tire, then you're you're really concentrating mostly on entry speed and being able to scrub 
speed at a you know at a at a good favorable amount, amount of time. And if you do that enough times and you're not really relying on the rear tire, you start losing front tire. And that's what happened to Jack. Yeah, oh, interesting. And so Gigi was not happy about it. I do said, do they ever listen to you? He goes, and he said kind of sarcastically, like, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> fuck do I know? I'm just the GM of this thing. I'm just, I'm just Luigi just with the, the eyebrows. I'm just Luigi. I'm just the silver brow. That should be his nickname. Oh, silver man, brow. it should be. Did you bring up to him the Dear Jorge letters? <laughs> Because I could see some Dear Jack letters getting oh written. Oh, my God. No, I did not bring that up. Uh, that's something I would do. <laughs> Mostly just, I was just, just sitting there Just to see if I get a bottle of wine thrown at me. Oh my, I did not want to get slapped. The Italian's hit. <laughs> Been there, done that. Maybe that's why I had Anne between us, though, just as a buffer. Just in yeah. case I said something dumb. <laughs> she stops in her foot. He would just look at the beautiful Anne and be like, okay. Stop making me look bad in front of Gigi. <laughs> silver brown. Oh, man. So, yeah, that was my very surprising fun. And, and um... Just I don't I don't know. Weird. Yeah, I I stayed at home and had a sandwich by myself. So but you had pretty a much equal sandwich. experiences. You had a sandwich called what? It's called the waste management. The waste management. <laughs> How much better could your night be? Uh, it was pretty good. It's no chopped cheese, but it's pretty good. I, I think their chopped cheese is still the best. Oh, it's the best. I wonder how many of our listeners in the Portland area have gone to the bodega. Um, because you're you have so many more cool stores than I do. Tell me where you were this weekend. Um, this weekend I decided to go to austin for the austin city limits concert series oh yeah that's a beautiful but thing they were tick sold out so i went to the gp instead way better idea way better idea way better there's far less people there what was actually, that? dude the gp was packed what was that like yeah tell me about it because so it was many people because it was weird the, for press people but it was normal for everyone else so tell me about your experience i'm curious why the, the press thing was weird because I, this is my third time at the austin gp and i don't think i've ever seen it this packed could you get into the the paddock area? No, everything was shut down. That's the if thing. you were not a vendor who was previously cleared by Dorna to go to the paddocks, you were not going there. Everybody had to have um, an updated COVID test, and then everybody got a specific. Well, people that were allowed there had a specific wristband that allowed them to go into the paddocks. Yeah. So I, I think from what I saw, it was a far smaller showing of press people there than usual. But yeah, like they, the general admission, it was packed. They've got a bubble for for a press, and even they they even segregate the photographers and, and journalists to a certain extent, um, like who can go in pit lane and who can go on tr around the track. Right. Um. So for someone like me, like it's actually kind of funny. Like in a way, like a fan would have a lot more access than I would. What was the vibe? Like it, it feels weird that it's like the races at Co Coda, Austin, Texas in general is kind of crazy with COVID, but we're gonna do it anyways. I I don't know if it's the track people. Super bumpy. I don't know if it's people being thirsty to go out. There, okay. The layout was a little bit weird because Moto. I'm sorry. Formula One is going to be in two weeks. Sure, two or three weeks. So there was all these sort of areas predetermined for Formula One people, and they've already sort of put them together. And so we weren't allowed access to a couple of parts of the track. That being said. I am telling you, this was the busiest Coda's been for MotoGP. Interesting. Like every grandstand was packed with people. Interesting. Every stand. So it was very interesting in that this being my third time going there, the previous two were what felt like, like Coda felt like it was at half capacity at best. And this time around, it was packed with a capital P. Hmm. So it felt weird. It, it was, I kept wondering, like, is this because 
people have been sort of bunched up and you know been made to stay at home for the last year and a half missed it the last year yeah Yeah. now austin i will say this austin as a city was doing a pretty good job of making sure people were being safe having distancing having masks on everything like that every bar every restaurant was pretty well protected and like i said previously dorna also said if you want to be a vendor any of this stuff masks on all the time Hmm. period like hard period Mm-hmm. So everybody was behaving pretty well. Now, being an outdoor event, the attendees, the general people were just doing outdoor stuff, which is not really wearing masks. I think maybe like a tenth of the people walking outside had masks on. Yeah. And I could have sworn they were all European. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so That story checks out. Yeah. But super busy, super duper packed. I, I, I feel like, I don't know the numbers, but if somebody told me they sold twice the numbers as they did in 2019, I'd believe them. Yeah, usually you get uh, an attendance report. We haven't the last two years or two seasons for obvious reasons. Right. Um, so I didn't see any numbers come across. But it's been funny because we haven't typically seen numbers for Austin the last few years because politics. I don't really right. know the, the real reason. But it's always interesting that we never really hear about track contracts with with coda anymore. Like that, the original contract has expired and right. we just magically like every year the race still seems to happen. So they must be doing like there seems to be a bit one of a, year kind of deals. There seems to be a little bit of a caveat this year in that the track condition yes. is not very good. Yeah, that's a fair. Mm. She's, I mean, a, she's a bumpy one, this one. I haven't been on that track in... I think we... I, I worked this out with someone. I think it was like October 2018. Wow. Uh, when I was on the HP4 race with the 11 Motorsports guys. And that's... Okay, that's you know almost three years ago mm-hmm. it was bumpy then i mean i'm I'm in fifth sixth gear on an hp4 race touching i don't know 170 180 miles an hour Oof. doing you know the rodeo power wheel like doing a power wheelie on that bike and sixth gear is fucking terrifying because you hit a bump and then all of a sudden it almost looks to me i mean as a completely uneducated person when it comes to any sort of geology but it almost seems like the track is built on not good ground that's exactly and so it's sort of folding yeah it's actually you know the person who had the most insight about this of all people was jack miller oh uh family business is mining he got the guy knows his dirt he knows his dirt and he was saying you know there's uh i hope i don't get this wrong there's a lot of clay in the ground the ground is just not a type of ground that you would normally build things on and that's part of the reason there's a big swath of it with nothing. It's just a lot of asphalt to have to redo every year. Yeah. So like it's, it's the ground's constantly shifting and that's causing, you know, outside of just, you know, having formula one cars and, and using the track a lot, which can create bumps on its own, right. own right. The ground is shifting and causing undulations. And someone was telling me Silverstone's had the same issue. Oh, wow. and, and they had to come in and, and do a lot of irrigation and, and, and stuff to fix it. And it sounds like code is going to have to do the same thing. I, I just, I have a distinct feeling, and that was one thing that Gigi and I sort of talked about tonight, in that unless Formula One says you guys need to repave this, they're not going to. Yeah. Like the big money get people have to come along and go, we're not going to come back. We're going to go back to fucking Indianapolis unless you guys fix this shit. Yeah. Right? Formula One is definitely the swinging deck. Like MotoGP, MotoGP can like raise the temperature, but it's Formula One that's starting the flame. Frankly, if MotoGP had the same kind of attendance as they did this weekend, at least on the surface of it, they would have some swing because this shit was this this felt to me like going to a european gp there was just a fuck ton of people there yeah but 
there's so much more money in Formula One. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's weird. Like, the track actually pays Dorna to host the race. Huh. And there's things like that. But <clears throat> there's so much more money in a Formula One event. If you told me that Code of the Track itself earned 10 times more hosting Formula One than MotoGP. I wouldn't be surprised. Even with equal attendances. Yeah. I would believe it. I think just ticket costs are more money. Sure. Sure. Um, the race was horrible. It was boring to watch. I mean, it was the Marquez show again. So it was really a battle for a third and fourth that was really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, boy, Moto3 was interesting. There's a lot of Moto3 wrecks. was crazy. Holy moly, man. That was man. No spoilers, but crazy. Ooh, if you haven't watched it, go watch it because that shit was fun. Um, I can't believe no one really got hurt. Can't believe no one died. Can't believe no one died. If you haven't watched Moto3 by now, just fucking go watch it so you can see what we're talking about because it was chaos. Yeah. Cameron Bobier and Moto2 did well. Yes. Very. Very well. Yes. Um, Watching him was interesting. Watching him race, like, good result, but you can tell, like, he's catching up and he's beating people because of his absurd track knowledge compared to his competitors. But he was losing places because of, let's call it his naivete of riding a Moto2 bike. Like, where his competitors were gaining, like, like he would, one of the things he did a lot was... He get people on the brakes going in uh, at the end of the, the long back straight, and then just completely ruin <laughs> the the drive coming out of it. And you're like, yeah, because on a super bike that move works. On a Moto Two bike, it doesn't. So like, you have all the skill and the knowledge to be able to you know pass two people down the back straight on the brakes, right? But you don't have the skill set yet with the Moto Two bike to make sure that you have the momentum coming out because he he would like past two people and then lose one place on the exit you're like whereas like i think a more experienced motor two rider would have maintained position i think that just takes time it takes time yeah it just takes time time. he's obviously a very talented rider he's just gotta kind of trim the fat a little yeah it was good in the sense it showed like what his true level is and then when given a chance to race at a track he's seen before right so it, it bodes well for next season and he'll have uh, Sean Dillon Kelly be his uh, teammate next year. And I think that'll be a great pair. Along with Joe Roberts, we've got a good trio of Americans in Moto2. And hopefully one of those creams rises to the top and we get someone in MotoGP. Speaking of cream that I like to see rise to the top, I, I really was hoping that Zarco would have done better. It was fun <laughs> to see him. You should ask Gigi about Zarco because I bet there's a conversation there. He, You know, he never even brought him up, so I think he's got thoughts. Zarco... Zarko's very French. Um, <laughs> Zarko, Zarko is either brilliant or horrible. Yeah. And it's and it's just kind of down to like, did he step on like a crack that day? Did he put his pants on the right way? The sock went on the right foot. <laughs> like it just it amazes me like how quickly his his program can fall apart. Right. But it also amazes me like when it doesn't, how strong it is. And that's I mean, that's perfect description of him. I have so many high hopes for the guy because I know he can be amazing because when he's good, he's epic. But when he's not, you're like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) How is that the same writer? He's a great satellite writer because it's like you're not expecting a championship out of him. He doesn't. He's not. He's going to throw the championship away on multiple occasions. But on certain days, he's going to be on the podium or even win and fuck some shit up. Right. It's kind of cool. That's a bummer. I always thought he would be more than a satellite writer, but I think you're right. Yeah, you know what? I think he killed himself when he, um, or he killed his career 
in a lot of ways when he just backed out of the KTM deal. Like midseason yeah. was just like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm done. Later. He suddenly felt bigger than that. And he was like, really? You're going to walk away from a factory factory ride and just kind of sit it out and okay. really all right like like team bosses don't like that i saw something um uh this was a business article i was reading it was called like why i only hire people with alligator blood but if i was a <laughs> team manager i would have probably have that same philosophy with yeah. my riders right yeah, it's a, for those who don't know, it's a poker term. It just means like someone that's incredibly tenacious, never gives up. Even when they're winning, they don't give up fighting. And then obviously when they're losing, they don't give up fighting either. And like, like Vinales isn't that. Uh, Zarco, I don't think is that. Um, Mark Marquez definitely is that. Yeah. Uh, Rossi in his day was definitely that. Right. And I think that's part of like kind of what separates like champion versus race winner. You know, it's funny to say Rossi. It was funny to see people's reactions to how Rossi was riding this last weekend. Yeah. Everybody was like expecting more, I think. And I was like, why? It's, yeah. his, it's his final season. He's about to be a dad. You think he's going to throw this shit away? For what? Like, you know what he did? He, he showed up and he sold a fuck ton of tickets. Yeah. Because there was a lot of yellow there that day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like everybody got to see him. I went to... Coda to be able to see Rossi on the track for one last time. Was I like, bummed out that he wasn't like super competitive in the top three? No. Like, I get it. Frank, on Saturday qualifying, he went down. I was like, ah, don't don't push it, dude. It's almost over. Like, just, just yeah, finish it. Just be safe. Um, cult of personality. I mean, there's, there's, there's an interesting thing of like cognitive dissonance and like cult of personality and like Rossi fans are, have always been like diehard Rossi fans. Yeah. Have always been a little weird. I think anyone that's like that, if you're a diehard Metallica fan, if you're right. a diehard Doonesbury fan, I, I don't know. <laughs> if you're a diehard Brap Talk fan, there's I want to meet that person. There's probably something a little wrong with you. And I think that's how it is sometimes, where it's just like that's like it's almost like a an idol tree of like of like this worshiping. This is very Freudian. It's Boy, you very took that way deep. gallivanting for 48 hours in austin texas eating way too much food yeah oh god dang it just don't listen guys if your barbecue bill for two people comes to 160 dollars you had a good you're time way over ordered no that's good that's you, perfect you, you just you got too hungry haven't had dinner got, yet so i'm super hungry and you ordered all that food and you looked at it and said fuck yep now i'm hungry for barbecue food i'm not like i broke myself from barbecue at least for another month that seems wrong it's too much um i was busy at the motor course of track day and the weather was just right. You know what? For like the whole week, even like the day before, it was like, mm, maybe a little fog in the morning, going to be a great day. Get up there, just rain the whole time. Welcome to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Got like the, the next two days, no, actually, uh, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are supposed to be really nice here. Saturday, Sunday, Monday is supposed to be garbage. In fact, I may have to cancel our last track day. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's like I like 100% chance of rain. I, I might actually have to change my flights because I, I, I was going to come back for that. Right. And now it's like, it's like 99% chance rain. I know. I'm like, I might as well just stay. So, I mean, I may just cancel it and go riding my Multistrada like up to Brown's camp or something. Yeah. Which is still riding, but it's just not. You can hang out with Coda. I'm allergic to Coda. This is my limit. I can have about two and a half hours with her and then I have to go home and hack for an hour. Yeah. Well. It's not her fault. She's lovely. She's beautiful. I love her a lot. Imagine what I have to deal with. You chose this life, Jensen. 
No, I didn't. Actually, that's not actually that's true. Fair. It's actually that's not true. actually factual. And well, and which goes to prove once again that you don't get to pick a cat. Pack uh, cat picks you. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that this was going to be my first time back on the bike. It's not going to happen. And then wait, did you not ride last weekend? No, I literally got like the we dried. We got a dry line on the track. We went out with the cars, did the thing, right? Had lunch. The rain had stopped. And it was wait, like, can a, you explain to people what you guys did? Because I saw the pictures and it made me really happy with the cars. You guys literally went out and drove the race line and dried it with the cars. Yeah. That's so cool to me. Yeah. Dedication. Yeah. Why not? Um, I mean, I didn't. I was, I, but I, I went for a lap around with Jason. It was good. Um, get up like, okay, I'm going to go out next session. Get my, get my bag out. Going to get my stuff ready. Got my warmers on. Check my tire pressure. Ready to go. Just about to put gas in the bike rain comes down deluge not not like the mist that had been doing before it was like actual no, no, no. rain you're like we're now fucked this it's is now Olymp- two o'clock and it's like it's just not gonna dry goddamn olympic peninsula man it's a, it's a rainforest People it's a forget. rainforest it is a rainforest uh i remember looking at that calendar at the beginning of this year and be like the ridge in october <sighs> huh we gambled it that's ambitious we well, only because last year the ridge in october was beautiful for like yeah. the entire month yeah and and if it had been a day earlier, it would have been gorgeous. Right. If it had been a day later, I think it was still raining. It's the same whatever. thing with PIR next week. Saturday, yeah. beautiful. Sunday, garbage. That that's been the entire season. The entire Omer season was like, hey, it didn't rain at all for three months. Right. The weekend we're racing, we're gonna have at least one day of rain. Right. So uh Salavi. And now I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna go race in the desert with CVMA and I gotta figure that all out. I mean, I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> it's really far away. <laughs> I like know, but like, at least hours. you get to ride a motorcycle. It's 17 hours for like four races, so I got to figure that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, let's talk some motorcycles. Let's. Uh, where, where do I want to start? I want to start with this bullshit. bullshit. I want to blame you. Wait, me? Because yeah, because you're you're the only Ducati person I can yell at right now. I, I feel like you have. Yeah, I didn't get to Domenic go to dinner with Gigi. I didn't get to yell at him. I know, so you're my you, guy. You have Domenic Halley's number. You can call him anytime and yell at him. Yeah, he, he yells back. He does. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> uh, why the hell did I have to wake up at like 6 a.m. to find out that the Ducati Multistrada 950 is now going to be called the Multistrada V2? That's huge news, Jensen. That's, that is, okay, first of all, it's my least favorite bike in the lineup. Second of all, that's garbage. It's 11 that pounds is, lighter. That is garbage. It's 11 pounds lighter, but the rest of that's garbage. That weight loss is mostly going from spoked wheels to regular wheels. That's probably true. There's four, pounds, there's four pounds in the engine. The rest of it is going from spoked wheels to regular wheels. The seats are different. The seats are different. The seats are a little sure. different. Yeah. The mirrors are a little different. For sure. And this is this is literally all the time I want to spend on it because I'm Paint so job. angry. Paint job's no, different. Fuck it. I'm done. I'm Damn done. It. Anything you say after this, I'm editing out. Wait, I don't even have a chance to like rebuttal. Okay, you can rebut. You got 12 seconds. It's more expensive. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. <laughs> I got nothing. I actually can't believe this bike's hate, still around. I, I don't understand bike. it. I don't hate this bike. It's a like you said, like I think one or two shows ago, it's a sweetheart of a bike. It's a phenomenal motorcycle. Here's what I really don't understand. The S model is like Eight, almost 18 grand. 18.2. Who the fuck is buying that? And and I know you're gonna sell a bajillion of them, and I don't understand why. Because it's a sweetheart of a motorcycle. Seventeen nine, for fifteen three for the and, base and, model. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Eh, 
no, no, hold on, time out. Right. The base model is not going to be standard in U.S. You have to custom order that one. You oh. only get S models in the U.S. <laughs> because I'm not kidding with you, 99% of Multistratas, whether they're 950s or 1260s or V4s in the U.S. are S models. That's what people want. There's so many better bikes for 18 grand. I mean, like, it's one of those things like, oh, you bought that? I bet you enjoy it. I bet yeah. you have fun. You could have more fun on something else, if I think. If somebody but, told okay. me they want to spend $18,000 on Multistar to 950S, I would not tell them not to. Who was our boy? Bryson called us up last time and was like, hey, what bike should I buy for 15 right. grand? If he had changed that to 18 grand, we not we would not have said Ducati Multistar to V2. No, because there's other bikes we, out we there. We would have listed like 43 other bikes before that. I truly believe Ducati... I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like this weird exchange rate or something but i don't think this bike at this level should be an eighteen thousand dollar bike you know why it is to make room for the desert x here's here's my theory fuck now we're getting down Just the rabbit stop hole making this this is where we're getting down the rabbit hole here's my theory okay are people drinking oh my god this i didn't even think this was gonna happen i didn't it's like barely in my notes listen we have listeners who are like of course this was gonna happen of you course idiot. it was you, you two are idiots of course it was <laughs> Didn't get to go to Gigi, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we just talked about wine. You don't even like wine. I don't like wine at all. I would have been a horrible person to be there. <laughs> so, you guys like that sparkling water? It's delicious. You'd have been like, can we talk more about MotoGP? No, we're having wine. No, you you will stop talking. Claudio told me about you. He said you're crazy. He said to hit you. He said, slap your face. I'm like, not again. Um, here's, here's what I think happened. Okay. I mean, it takes three to five years in the pipeline for motorcycles to go from concept to realization. Right. So on the roadmap of Ducati, this bike has been earmarked probably for a while now. And this is just kind of how things were going to be. Right. You know, like this is the big picture, the road, the, you know, Claudio's little, little plan, Claudio's plan. That's how this is going to be. We're going to, we're going to the 950. Then we're going to call it the V2. And then we're going to, Two, three years after, phase it out, and the next, the next thing comes along. Right. And then that plan, when this bike was 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 conceived, included an air-cooled 1100cc <laughs> Ducati Scrambler Desert, Desert X. Desert X, right. And then that concept came out in 2019, and everyone's like, you know it would be rad? put that 950 motor in there right which is really a 937 but that's a whole other thing whatever we're like rounding it up to yeah. nice numbers you should you should do that and i guess 940 doesn't cool, sound as cool as 950 no it's just, five cooler just, than four well guys always been a little fast and loose with the numbers i mean i guess but like a 996 was it called a 996 because that had a 996 motor in it basically well even that 1100 is like a 10 i always I, get this dyslexia 1078 or 1087 one 10, of the two. 1078 i believe that sounds right and then, and then in my brain, 1078 and 1076 look the same. <laughs> so I can fuck that up too. Anyways, they get the feedback. Listen to people like your, yourself. They're like, you know what you should do? Water-cooled motor. Do the thing. Blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes a Ducati and not a Scrambler Ducati. And now you have that bike. And that's that's like the crown jewel, I feel, of... Where does this fit in? Well, that's the thing. So like, I feel like they're like, fuck. Like... How many multi 950s are we going to sell? Probably the same when we call it the V. Like, it's going to just kind of, that's not going to move a needle. Whereas a Desert X, they're going to sell a fuck ton of those, especially oh, God, yeah. if they can do the price. We talked about this $13,000, $14,000. You know, I asked. They didn't answer, but they, they kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge me a little bit. Yeah. What'd they say? Well, my theory, I think I said this before, is it needs to fall between 
desert sled and a multi V, well, excuse me, multi V2 now. Right. And they said, you're not wrong. And to make room, it helps if that multi V2 price goes up and it helps if you're not bringing in that base model. So it's like, yeah, you can get a multi V2. It's going to cost you 18 grand. Now you have all this room that a desert X can be 14 or 15 grand right. and it doesn't look weird in the lineup. Had we made a bet, if this bike would have been around still, I would have owed you some lunch. Because I forgot where we landed. Over or under on 15, wasn't it? It's like okay. a show ago. I think oh, I took on the, the on the Desert, Desert X. X. I think I took the under on 15. I think you took the under, I took the over. Yeah. I know that, but I think the number was 15. Right. Yeah. I think it was 15 too. But had we said, do you think the multi 950 will still be a thing? I would have said no, which I guess I would have been right because it's not a thing anymore. It's not the multi. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a completely different it's bike. bike chain, brand bold says, new naming. It says V2 in giant letters on the side of it. It's a doy. That's, that's how you know it's new. So, anyways, I would have totally, I would have absolutely lost the bet. Now, here's the only thing I can imagine: if that Desert X comes out and it only comes with like no cruise control i doubt they'll do no, it that says, it says it has cruise control I, so it'll probably have i don't i got nothing i thought maybe like it'll be a less refined version of this thing which is like okay yeah now you spend 18 grand and get like a refined 950 or you spend whatever the fuck the x is going to call a cost and get that more hardcore hard-edged less refined thing the thing that's interesting with the s it's got the semi-active skyhook suspension it's got the, the backlit controls yeah all the it's, led lighting it's very polished very and i think again that's the part of the, like that's like the whole hail if we just kind of polish this turd a little right. bit make it a little bit more premium make it a little bit more i mean it's fancy. totally premium i wouldn't call it a turd anymore it's a nice fucking bike i just, it's just 18 I, I, I grand. Say it's a turd because it's just not a bike i would ever buy there's so many better bikes in this category than this it's my least favorite ducati in the lineup that's just just full stop i'm with you so the thing of it is i say that when i ride every time i ride it i'm like this is a fucking nice bike i don't hate it i'm not saying it's a bad <clears> bike <throat> it's just my if least this favorite was a one fifteen thousand dollar bike i'd be like it's a fucking great bike this is a nine thousand dollar bike i'd be like this is great well i mean that's just not the world <laughs> we live in jensen a, a yamaha Tenere 700 with nothing on it cost that much yeah i know i know i know um yeah it's not it's it doesn't get me excited. It's not my favorite Ducati, but every time I ride it, I get it. I just don't eighteen thousand two hundred dollars get it. It's four hundred ninety. Okay, so the V two base is four hundred ninety pounds, four eighty nine actually. V two S is four ninety six. Right. So like, it's just okay, great. It's finally under five hundred pounds. But the multi twelve sixty is like five hundred and ten pounds or whatever it is. Was was. So it's like, well, I'd rather have that for 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 the ten pounds or whatever it is. I'd rather have that. Yeah, but then you go to $25,000. Yeah, but at least it feels like a 25. Like, I can look at that bike and be like, I kind of understand why I paid 25 grand. Whereas, like, for this, I do not understand why but I paid that's the thing. This, this, oh, you know what it is? This bike reminds me of like, like the highest end golf you can buy. Fair. It's still a golf. Yeah. But, like, it feels really fucking nice when you get in it. But you still know it's, a it's golf. still a golf. Like, you sit in it, you're like, this is a fucking Audi. And then you get out, you're like, it's fucking golf. God damn it. They got me. Yeah. This is what this is. This is like the That's highest like, end like golf. R32? Yeah. This is the well, yeah. R now. It's called the R. Okay. This is the highest end golf. I'm dating myself. It was R32 like right? fucking 20 years ago. Went way back. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like you get in a golf R, you look at it, you're like, it's fucking golf. I don't understand why it costs $43,000. And then you sit in and go, wow, it's a fucking refined vehicle. Yeah. And you fire it up and it's a two liter turbo. It's, I mean, it's a powerful two liter turbo. Yeah, it's still yeah, a two liter I mean, it's turbo. It's impressive for what it is. Right. But it's not impressive. This is what that is to me. Like, I look at it on the surface. I'm like, I don't fucking get it. And then I write it. I'm like, it's a really fucking nice bike. And so like, it's the same. 
suddenly I realized what's going on here is a Volkswagen. This is a fucking Volkswagen Golf. It's golfer. Like, would I buy one? No. Do I like it? A lot. You're not going to hate it. You're would I rather buy a Audi S6? Yep. Hey, when, when the dealerships next year are blowing these out for like nine grand off MSRP, you're going to get a sweetheart <laughs> of it. Hey, you know what it is? It's just like um, a reader that had the, what was it, a looter or a venture? The Yamaha. A $15,000 looter. You got it for like 11 grand off MSRP. And you're like, right. yep. Yeah. Fucking Bravo, dude. You got a great bike. Yep. 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 I would love that bike at 15 grand. Everyone that test rides this bike falls in love with it. Well, they should test ride something else. Um, speaking of things that uh, they will love if they ride, Suzuki GSX-S1000 pricing came out. Well, we just that. talked about this. And like the we next did. day, I feel like Suzuki heard our podcast. It was like, ah, the Shaw and the Beeler have spoken. We can now we can now do the pricing. Wait, say more right now. How much? What? Why don't I see this? I don't know. Do oh, I, there it is. I just saw it. It was way down there. So the GSX S1000, the Street Fighter-ish model, is 11.3. The GSX S1000 GT is 13.150. And then with bags, it's 13.8. This is really bad radio. My mouth is agape. They fucking crushed it on they price. They fucking crushed it. Uh, listen, I take back anything that I said about this thing's looks. At that price, I think it's a very fucking pretty bike. I mean, it's still not a pretty bike. I mean, again, like the like the first eighth of the bike is real questionable, but the rest of it is quite handsome. <laughs> I think it's more than the first eighth, but yeah, <laughs> it's just the nose. I can't uh, do. It. I don't. I don't know what they were doing. It's something but like they forgot headlights, and they were like, ah, fuck it, just put these projectors on there. Uh, they like, it. well, you know what? Just make it eleven three, and no one will say shit. And I'll you be can't. Like, you can't argue the price. Like every one of those bikes. So you're telling me the top of the line. S1000 GT Plus, the one that's got the bags and this and that and the other, it's 13.8? 13.8. Fuck. So, and the only thing that really compares against that, like, favorably is the Ninja 1000. And even with bags, uh, I did the math somewhere. Uh, it'd be like 300 bucks. It'd be 300 bucks cheaper. And I'd be like, okay, that's interesting. You'd at least make someone think. I think this is a more unique looking bike than Ninja One Thousand. Yeah, which is why I would probably buy this instead of the Ninja. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would want to do it back to back. I mean, the Suzuki's got more power; it weighs less. Uh, they um, both have is, like comparable features. I think the Ninja has actually got a little bit more, like on the electronic side, but it would come down to like ergonomics and like wind protection and comfortability for me. I think between the two of them, I mean, it's 150 horsepower and it weighs just a scudge under 500 pounds. Yeah. It's not that's, bad. That's a good bike for sport terrain. It's not bad. Frankly, both of those options are great motorcycles. You got to yeah. flip a coin, I think, but yeah. if you want it to look weird and people go, what the fuck get the Suzuki. Cause I would look at it and go, what the fuck? And then look at it more and go, Oh, that makes sense. How much did you buy for it? Why really? And it's a Suzuki. Like, you know, and you know, it's not going to sell for full pop. Well, that's the other thing. They're gonna have right. cash back. They're gonna have a zero percent for sixty right. months cash back, thousand bucks extra. You get a Suzuki jacket with it. They'll put on a twelve year warranty for you. Something. The Suzuki has pr great promotions. I mean, I said it in the last uh, discussion about it. Whatever you want to say about the looks is, I, I get that. That's everyone's got their opinions. I certainly have mine on this one. But this style of motorcycle with this level of comfort and this level of performance just makes sense it's just a good package the average 
or above average writer even can get on this bike and have a fucking hoot. Oh yeah. And ride it every day. Not have to worry about it in really in any other form of just putting gas in it. Yeah, never the change oil. the oil. Yeah, don't even don't don't even check your tires. Maybe like do the chains every twenty thousand miles or so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you mean lube them? Lube it once every twenty thousand. Yeah. Every twenty thousand miles, lube Spit the on it, You know, but you're gonna have a bike that you can rely on all the time. This thing is just gonna always do the thing, and I guarantee you, you put Jensen Beeler on this thing and put him on a you know a curvy road or a track. And he'll probably school a lot of people on way fancier bikes. Well, I don't want to brag or anything, but you put me on a Goldwing, and I can, I can rip up some beer. Blast Taylor Swift and just embarrass people. I can hand you a beer in the middle of the apex. That would be amazing. <laughs> out of my here, heart. I don't even drink. Out of you my pan here. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is I'm I'm blown away. This is really brilliant. Good job, Suzuki. Fucking slow clap. Yeah, no, they they crushed it on the price. I think Suzuki solidified themselves as the as like the bargain brand. Uh, Except when you want to buy a Hayabusa. Yeah, the Hayabusa is a little off. Um, it's meant to be their luxury bike. It's like a Lexus Hayabusa at this point. Is it? The price anyways indicates. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, another one that we've talked about, the pricing came out for Triumph Tiger Sport 660 coming to the US for $9,300. Fucking knocking it out. Which is not too shabby. Not even a little. Yeah. This this goes, listen, I am still super curious to see what Aprilia does with that Touareg. Because like engine size, pretty similar. I was pretty close on the estimate when it came to pricing on this. I said it'd almost certainly be under 10 grand and could be south of 9,000. So yeah. Yeah. Look at me. There you go. I want to like toot my own horn. You want to? I kind of am. Doot, 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 doot. Uh, I, I like this bike. I think it looks good. Uh, I like the concept. That that triple is pretty rad. 80 horsepower. Not going to throw your hair back, but for nine grand, I can get pretty excited. Yeah, Very I mean, rudimentary electronics. Um, But again, nine grand. I'm not going to hate on it too I mean, much. This bike looks if you looked at it from a distance, you don't have to squint. You just look at it from a distance. It look, looks like a, a Versi 650. No, it looks like a good Versus 650. That's fair. It looks like a polished Versus It looks like, like someone took a Versus and then went to design school and learned how to make it look pretty and then came up with this. But then like still priced it like one. Yeah. What does a Versus go for? I can't imagine it's that much less or more than this. 8.4 for a Versus. I would pay $900 more to have this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, I think the Versus is a phenomenal, unsung little hero. But for $900 more, give me this. Just on features alone, I think you get more with the Versus. Just on having a triple. I, I love a triple. I love a triple way more than I love a, a parallel twin. Yeah, that's fair. I can't hate on that. That's fair. Nice bike. Good job, Triumph. Um, hopefully we'll see the dirt version come out at like ICMA. I think that would be a reasonable thing to think. So you're thinking they'll do a 2118? That's the rumor. The rumor was originally that there was going to be two 660 version ADV bikes. One's on road, one's off road. We're seeing the on road now. I would assume we're going to see an off road version as well. Wow. Look at Triumph. I mean, they're going to basically have a 660 and 900 and a 1200. Yeah. I'm impressed. And they're flood, basically going to cover everything from ninety three hundred dollars to like twenty three grand. Flood in the zone. They've got kind of something right at every price point. Yeah, Triumph is 
Triumph is doing some stuff. Triumph they're making a, some good moves. Yeah, man. I mean, they're going to have a dirt bike, they say. Yeah, in like five years. And that's not the important part. They said they're going to do it. I yeah. Just, you know. I mean, I like it. I mean, they're doing it the right way, but, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little like early, early days to be talking about it. I like this new Triumph Bonneville. I mean, Kawasaki Z6, Z, Z650 RS. <laughs> that was today's big news. That's what I woke up early for. Cool, Cowie. Um, that had already come out in Europe, so no big surprise here. It's coming to the U.S., so cool. $9,000. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't get me excited. How's this $9,000? Same motor as that versus 650 with some styling on it. Styling costs money? Yes. <laughs> actually, had this. This is actually a good-looking bike. I like, I like what Kawasaki's been doing with their z series like the 900 i'm a big fan of the z 900 i think it's a good looking bike what's weird about this bike is it has to go against the z 900 rs which is literally the same formula applied to the z 900 as it was being applied to the z650 right so i kind of sit there and you're just kind of like okay why would i buy one over the other but okay i mean i guess maybe for it's like having an engineer insurance things. purposes and having diversity of you know maybe more of like a intermediate beginner rider versus an intermediate advanced rider yeah there's twenty five hundred dollars between them like i kind of get why they did it it just i don't know just, like a z900 step on their toes a little bit a little bit yeah z900 rs is a bike i would like in my garage i just like to look at it it's pretty it just it has the very clean classic styling to it, but a fairly capable bike. That is just not my jam. I know you don't love that no. neoclassic thing. No, I don't. I do I'm not whatever. that guy. I don't know why I like it. I I am a make it look like a fucking Gondom Transformer insect guy. Which is why you and I I think you and I both like the H two. Um Kawasaki's like American bikes came out today. There's three more bikes still to come that'll debut for ICMA. Okay. One of them is a super sport type machine that the internet is saying is a ZX6R, but I am fairly certain is an update to the zx 10 R. Wait, did they not? Did Kawasaki not? Just updated it last year. Right. But there is some talk in racing circles that the 10 the zx10 double r update actually made that platform worse oh and that there's changes that need to be fixed and if you look at what's going on in world superbike with jonathan ray top racks kind of i don't even know where they are on the points right now because i haven't caught up with my port of races but race one on saturday was phenomenal i haven't seen race two yet but you know it's it's a fight it's gonna go down to the wire probably um, and I think there's a little bit of talk like, hey, we need to make some changes because Top Rack's going to be just as hard to beat next year. Hmm. Um, so I think, and if you get on the American website, there already is a 2022 ZX6R. Right. There's already a 2022 ZX10R. There is no 2022 ZX10RR. Interesting. The only, the, the alternative narrative is that this has been a bike that's been in the U.S. market for, for forever, basically. 
has not been the European market for the last few years. Maybe it comes back to the European market just to take advantage of World Super Sport rules that are about to change. So those are your two competing theories. I'm leaning towards ZX10 RR. I would tend to agree with you. Yeah. Mostly because I still want to see the ZX10 RR exist. I think, well, I, that's the thing. I don't think it goes away. Um, but it's a bike that they only sell about 200, I think on, on purpose, only sell 250 of. Right. So they can make changes like, hey, we're going to change the wall thickness on the frame by one millimeter and, you know, change the rake by half a degree. And like, well, they can make some stupid changes to it that make a big difference for racing people, but don't really make a big difference for consumer people. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's not what that bike's for. That bike's a homologation bike. It's not really designed for regular customers. They're really only selling it to racers worldwide. No big deal. So I think I think that's what we'll see. But keep your eyes tuned. Uh, and those other two bikes, there's there's some rumors of uh, maybe the Ninja 650 getting a bump up to 700 cc's. That's been kind of like a. I feel like that's more like a wishful thinking rumor. I mean, if the R7 is a thing, that would make sense. Yeah, I think. I mean, the Ninja 650 hasn't really been relevant since the lightweight TT came back at the Isle of Man, and Ryan Farquhar took those bikes and made them race winners. And now I think other bikes have come along and and replaced that as being like serious contenders. And now I think Kawasaki's got to step up. Yeah. And you look at the space and you got Aprilia 660s, you've got the R7, you've got all these other bikes that are coming in. There's rumors of Suzuki coming out with full fare in the SV650 again. Right. There's no shortage of competition and it's time for Kawasaki to refresh and update. Well, I mean, we've talked about that being sort of a a popular and important segment now. Yeah. You know, every, everybody is into the about 100 horsepower parallel twins now. So it, it makes sense. I'm I'm into it. I think I think that theory is sound and and it's probably going to be a thing. I'm really trying to convince uh Kramer Joe to build me a GP2 700R. So instead of the 890 motor, okay, we take a KTM 790 motor, destroke it, so it's a 700 cc motor. Whoa! And race that in the GP2 chassis. That would be interesting. It would probably cost like 40 grand, Easily. but it'd be rad. Easily, but it would probably make 100 horsepower plus. It'd be the most expensive low horsepower bike you'll ever. It would be the most expensive way to fuck up some Aprilias. <laughs> Just. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. Just keeping up with them. They're looking at you very confused. Why? It's just, yeah, it's just pure hatering. Because it would be like 100 pounds lighter than the Aprilia. <laughs> it would be fantastic. and make probably similar power. I can just see a couple of our friends with that bike with their Aprilia looking yeah. at me like, why are you doing this? I'd just be like, middle fingers, bitches. <laughs> why? why are, I also you, not do- you three to one to make the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, Weira has these funky rules with their, with their, what they call, they call it the lightweight class? I don't even know what class they call it. The class that I compete in. 500 and I think it's 565 cc inline fours okay. are legal. So Weird people, number. yeah. So people take like an R6, they put a they they make a custom crankshaft for it to bring the displacement from 599 to down to 565, and then they do like a full like world superbike build on it, and they bring the horsepower up. Like they're making like 130 horsepower. Wow, out of this like 565 inline four, but the power band is just, it's like a two stroke. It's yeah, like, it's just it's like nothing. Top, and then everything, <laughs> the top 3000 RPM is where you gotta be. Yeah. But they cost like 
20, 30 grand to build. For fuck's sake. But then you go in and you're just like, you just decimate the, the grid with this <laughs> just absolute beast of a bike. It's like, what was it? I was reading someone that was saying like, yeah, how do you, how do you lose friends in a middleweight class? <laughs> Lightweight class. Buy an R6. <laughs> you buy this, this, the five, six, <laughs> the R5 as they call it. Oh, <laughs> I like that. This is kind of up that same vein. How long until Yamaha actually just makes that bike? Uh, probably never because they have no dreams. Hey, Jensen, you know what we should do? Uh, take an ad break. We should totally stop for an ad break. <laughs> Good thing we thought about this ahead of time. That's how we do it here at Brap Talk. This totally isn't being edited in at the last minute. No, we're pros. We did this right now. Bam. The Pirelli Diablo Rosso 4 is the newest addition to the popular Diablo Rosso family and is specifically designed for sport bike, hyper naked, and crossover motorcycles. Giving riders a superior level of grip, the Pirelli Diablo Rosso 4 gives precise feedback and control in both wet and dry conditions, raising the benchmark for high-performance sport tires on the road. Available in a wide range of sizes, the Pirelli Diablo Rosso 4 is the culmination of nearly 20 years of testing and R&D in the factory, on the roads, and on the track with World Superbike. Visit your local dealer or online retailer and pick up a set today. <laughs> and we're back from that totally planned ad break, Shane. Hey. Hey. <laughs> ching And that's how we uh, earn those, uh, you know, small bucks. To be fair, we haven't done that in a long time. To be fair. To be fair to Yamaha, the Yamaha YZF R7 looks pretty damn spicy in the GYTR trim. It does. Super oh. spicy. I am all about it. And and I feel like it's very reasonably priced. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can make that bike a $20,000 bike pretty quick with their parts. Yeah, but like. Just to get into the Kramer world, you got to spit out twenty four grand. Same amount of money, yeah. right? Same amount of money. Um, Save you four thousand dollars for paint jobs and stuff. <laughs> there is some talk that we might see GYTR prepped R sevens from Yamaha Racing. That's the European conglomerate. Whether or not that happens in the U.S., wait and see. But it was funny when this came out. They're like. More R7 news coming. <laughs> to, actually, they said more R7 news coming tomorrow. And then they went back and edited it and said coming soon. I Just think kidding. someone I think someone got got a little jump the gun. Yeah. But um, it, it does seem like some some stuff's happening in that space. So that's kind of cool to see. I do think it's interesting that the bodywork has like this block off plate for where the headlight is, yeah. which where the in, the faux intake is as right. well. So but yeah, it looks good. I'm all about it. Uh, cool to see that the R7 is getting some factory parts love um we'll almost definitely see this racing in moto america um uh, the amount i heard of the i heard the amount of money they were willing to throw at teams to start racing this bike and it was obscene really obscene this is their way of trying to get grassroots and get everybody out there on the track so everybody starts seeing our sevens let's just be honest and call and call spade a spade yamaha owns moto america they are That's the fair. number one brand putting money into it. They have ties to Wayne Rainey. Like it's it's their baby. That's their marketing strategy in the US is centered around Moto America. And that's where they're spending their money. Yep. And they want it. Their R7 on the top box in the Twins Cup, whatever they call huh. it. So um yeah, I'm almost hundred percent sure we'll see that. I don't know who'll be racing it, but I am very confident it'll be there. I'm sure you'll see a lot of people riding it. I think you're going to see a lot of people riding Aprilia's. Yeah? Yeah. Because it's, because I mean, 
even if you buy, I mean, if you buy an R uh, an R seven for what was it, nine grand, right? For twenty five hundred bucks more, you can get an Aprilia, and it has all the electronics on it, and it makes thirty more horsepower. But what bike's easier to work on, and what bike's easier to get parts for? I mean, at that point, for like like a thirty horsepower Delta in that class is huge. Yeah, and at that point, you're gonna have to do so much shit to the motor on the R seven to get it to be competitive. Like that parts thing goes out out the window. It's like you're not getting Yamaha parts. Those aren't Yamaha pistons That's anymore. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> you're having to build a whole custom engine. Yeah, those point. aren't Yamaha <laughs> valves and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, It'll be interesting. That's all I got. That's all you got. Uh, quick and dirty, man. I gotta have this on the plane. Dang. What do you got? What do you got? I don't know. I'm trying to see. Uh, I mean, do you want to talk about Nikki Aiden being in the? I do. That's a good. That's a good call. That just happened. Well, it happened actually last week, but we just got it on the site today. Um, a press release got lost somehow in my inbox. But very happy to see Nikki Hayden uh, inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America, which is a pretty big deal. And the number that he is is pretty cool. He's number. He's the 269th inductee. Nice. So I'm sure is not an accident. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> Um, Can you imagine they were wait, like they were going to do the last couple of years? They're like, hold on, oh, wait, 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 pump the brakes. We're at two sixty three. We got to give it yeah, a couple yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there must have been somebody, <laughs> some management was like, hold on, yeah, this is you. I promise it's worth it. Just yeah. give it a couple more. So um, this is a big deal because the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America is it's all sports. It's um, I shouldn't say all sports, but it's all motorsports. It's right. it's cars, it's bikes, it's planes, it's powerboats. Uh, Nikki was already inducted to the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame, so this is this is recognition of him on an even higher level. You know, he's like Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s in there. It's it's a big deal, and yeah. it's, Nikki's definitely definitely worthy. So uh, it pleases me. It pleases me greatly. I'm, I'm pretty glad to see it. Yeah. Um. Good on you. We got a couple of emails. The email. The email. The email. The email. What? What? The email. Um. Somebody wanted to ask us a question. Actually, they sent two things to us. One, um, there's apparently a tropical storm that was named after me. Really? Yeah, hit the Middle East. Huh? Yeah, tropical storm Shaheen. Just fucking shit up down there. Just tore shit up. Yep. Look at you. Rare tropical cyclone Shaheen is battering the coast of Oman. So they sent that to us. And then the question is, I would love to hear the answer to on the next Brap Talk. What would your dream pre-superbike era like pre CB seven fifty or sixty nine production bike be, because I think I get it. Like we always talk about modern or current or you know at least like last twenty years bikes, but I'm trying to think of like pre nineteen sixty nine, and I hate to say it, but I just I wasn't around then, and there's not a lot of bikes in that era that I like think about that much. Is there anything you can think of, like a classic bike that makes you go holy shit? No, no, that's that's a bad question for me because I'm like you, like I don't I don't really care uh it's not my like the same reason like why i don't like the z650 rs it's just not my aesthetic for me motorcycles start in the 90s which is about when i started paying attention to them i don't have an emotional connection to a broth superior or an old like even the older ducati like for all the ducati ness that's in me i'm like pre 916 does nothing for me people talk about like a8 super sports i'm just gonna like hmm Nah, not for me. Not to say that I can't appreciate it. Like, I've gone to Pebble Beach, uh, Concours d'Elegance, did, uh, did a couple motorcycle exhibits. Um, 
and uh, you can go to Quail and look at stuff. And I can see some of the old race bikes from the from the eighties and seventies and sixties, and like you can appreciate what they are, right? But I do not have the same visceral connection to those machines as I do, say, like a Kawasaki, you know, the original Kawasaki Ninja or Honda Hurricane or you know any of the bikes that came after them because that's when that's when like time starts for me i'm trying to really think of like the oldest bike that i would really love and i think the only one that i can think of is not pre-1969 it's like a 70s norton commando i think i love them because hasn't changed at all what's that which like hasn't changed at all no it hasn't but the original version was kind of a you know rough and tough cool bike yeah um you know it was for me, I think because I remember seeing a couple in Iran and my dad um, had a couple of friends who had them. So that was sort of like one of the first bikes that I really got to see and sort of fall in love with. But it's, I think in all fairness, guys like you and I who got into this business, essentially, like you said, in the 90s, where, well, we didn't even get in the business when we were 90s, we were kids, but we really noticed motorcycles uh, and had them sort of stick to our ribs in the 90s. So it's hard for us to see anything beyond that and be like, oh yeah, I'm super excited about like a 1980 something bike or a 1970 something bike. But for whatever reason, like a Norton Commando 750, it's always been the one classic bike that I've always sort of loved and would love to, I don't know if I want to own one, but I like being around them. It reminds me of childhood. Yeah. I got, I got, I got it figured out. Okay. And tell me if you're the same. For me in cars, Things really don't start until like late fifties, early sixties. Yep. In terms of like the cars that like if you ask me that same question, that's where as far back in time as I could go with like a real answer. Right, right, right. But that's where it starts for me. And the reason why is because that's the start of the muscle car era, mm-hmm. which produced all these rad machines. And it's kind of like the heyday of Le Mans and well, the design the, the, was the, super cool the design language was all right like the, the aeronautic the, style and everybody had wings and yeah. yeah and and the motorcycle equivalent of that of the muscle car movement in cars the motorcycle equivalent is the superbike movement yeah in the 90s and 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 like or, let's call it late 80s at late ladies that's totally fair and that's that's the same thing where it's like yeah that's the muscle cars is what got me into four wheels the superbikes is what got me into two wheels and everything yeah. that came before them is a different generation for me. It's like a weird history lesson for us to have to learn so that we can learn our shit, but it doesn't, it's not tangible for us. There is, I mean, there's definitely a thing there. Like it's, um, I, I, I can appreciate like a Honda CB 350. Doesn't really speak to me on that. And that whole like builder movement around, you know, like the hipster bike thing, like, I can appreciate the work and I can appreciate the build of the bikes. And like, there's some design things that I really like, but it's not my jam. Like when I go to the one show, there's very few bikes that I see that I'm like, that's cool. That's rad because I'm not a dirt bike guy. I'm not a retro hipster bike guy. I'm not a chopper guy. So it's like the weird, cool supermoto ducati something sport bike build kawasaki supercharge something those are what get my attention because that's because i'm a super bike guy at the end of the day. like they, right asphalt and rubber is a sport bike focused publication and i've always said asphalt and rubber is is me in a lot of ways like our content that we produce is a reflection of my interests mm-hmm. 
And that's what we got started as. We got started covering racing and MotoGP and sport bikes and street bike stuff because that's what I was into at the time. I mean, everyone's got their own story, right? But like someone like uh, our listener and I mean, they got deep into it. It wasn't just a oh, sure. lifestyle. It was like a whole thing. Sure. I mean, because there's, 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 a, there's a wealth and there's a plethora of, of bikes and knowledge out there. And, right. and it's a chance to like read. It's, it's almost like archaeology. We're like, you know, we've moved, we've moved so far past it that you're like, you're redigging something up that, that has a tremendous like story. New again. Yeah. It's new again, but like, it's like a forgotten story. We're like, there are some super cool bikes from the sixties and seventies and, and even earlier, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about them anymore. And, and it's worth rehashing a little bit. And you get to be like that archeologist that goes and finds like, Oh, well this year it did this thing and it was at the Isle of Man and it did that. And you know, Mike, the bike was on it and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Didn't not for me, but that's cool. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing like with electric bikes. Like I'm I'm staring at this this cake uh story I wrote about them getting funded. I don't know if we talked about it last show or not, but I'm like, there's just people that hate the shit out of those things because it's it's so far away from what they're into in motorcycling. Just as like what what this this listener's question is like, it's so far away from what I'm like, I'm way more interested in what cake's up to or Alta or Zero. Right. The idea of the future. Yeah. And I'm a very future forward person. I'm not a very past focused person. Like even like for my personality, like I'm very present and future oriented. I don't reminisce a lot. Um, so. Hey, speaking of electric bikes, any news on uh, Damien or whatever it's called? I mean, like they're, they put out headlines and stuff. That's kind of like, I mean, yeah, they up their, their Instagram on a daily basis, stuff. but it doesn't look like any real news. It's just a, I mean, like you'll get a classic, a classic startup headline for any for any industry that Damon is certainly a a, a victim of. Forty million in in pre orders threshold crossed, and you're like, yeah, but how much of a deposit are you taking? <laughs> like forty million in orders. Okay, well, if the bike's twenty five thousand dollars, that's less than two thousand bikes pre ordered. And what's the pre order price? Is it five hundred dollars? Because it's not a. Th- I'm not going to actually say what I think it is. I can't, I don't know off the top of my head. Right. But some brands, it's like a hundred bucks down. It's the same thing with like Indiegogo where it's like, we had a hundred million dollars pledged. And you're like, yeah, but until you collect that money, you haven't really earned it. Right. A pre-order is not a sale. And in my experience, it's like one out of six pre-orders actually turns into a sale. That's about fair. So for them, I just feel like shut up and produce a bike already. (laughs) Like I'm no, because like they're they're a company that's way too much marketing, not enough substance. And you know, I'd love for to be proven wrong on that, but until they do, it's kind of like just shut up and build a bike already. You actually say something interesting because I, I started thinking about the last month about that brand as I see their Instagram constantly like sort of regurgitate the same message and, and picture. Is this just a marketing exercise? Are you guys building something or not? I think they are. I think it's just you have to understand that landscape. And this this happened, this is something that Alta was fairly good about not doing and maybe was part of the reason they didn't get, they had a hard time on the funding trail. Right. It's something we saw uh, like Mission Motors do. It's something we saw Zero do. Uh, it's something we saw Bramo do a lot. Bramo, Bramo was like the, the opposite of Alta in some ways where it was like, there was a lot of fluff, a lot of marketing, not a lot of substance and sales. Right. Um, but you have to understand, and, and I'm not, this isn't even like a negative. It's just that world of like when you're the CEO of a startup, 
like Damon, like Alta, like Bramo, like Mission, even Zero to some extent. Zero is an interesting case of this, <laughs> but your primary goal is fundraising. Yes. That is your job. Your job isn't to build a bike. It's to raise funds. And so that whole process is highly subjective and it's highly based on PR and marketing and industry buzz and consumer buzz. And so like you want to hype your pre-orders because that's just like, Hey, the industry's buzzing about this. All these people pre-ordered us. There is demand for our product. You should invest with us so we can meet this demand. Like if you invest your million dollars with us today, by tomorrow it'll be worth 10 million and you'll get your, your <laughs> right. coaching. And that's, and that's like the game, unfortunately, where you have to hype that bitch so much to get the attention, to get the investor who's going to part with their money and, and buy into this mindset that your product is special and is going to sell like wildfire because, and I've been on this other side of the pitch deck where it's just like, you look at it and you're like, you can make a lot of businesses make sense on paper oh, yeah. and you can look at those things and you're just like, I don't know, you might, you might make a million dollars. You might make zero dollars. Like well, the difference a lot of the times comes down to uh, execution. Uh, I think a lot of good investors invest more in the team than they do the business plan because anyone can write a good business plan, but someone's going to actually do it. Correct. You know, like it still requires action to get the thing done. Right. Like you can promise it all day long, but take what we do. Motorcycle podcast. Right. I mean, there's, there's probably more than a dozen people that figured out over COVID like, Hey, I'm going to start a motorcycle podcast. A lot of people did. Yeah. The business, the business model is not hard. You get some microphones, you record it, you put it on the internet. People will come listen to you. Mm -hmm. If enough people listen to you, you can get advertisers and you can make money. That's the business model. That is, that is it to a T mm -hmm. that doesn't get into the like, well, it's got to sound good. You gotta, you gotta get, you don't necessarily have to get nice microphones, but you got to get some decent microphones. And maybe a decent recorder. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to get some editing software. And you're going to have to spend some time editing. And you're going to have to have an ear to understand what sounds good and what doesn't. And then maybe you're going to have to have an ear to sound like, hey, we did a three-hour segment about, you know, how motorcycle tires are round and why that's important. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, is that really something you want to listen <laughs> to? Do people want to know about that? Like, that's why I say, like, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, you and I usually, where are we at now? We're almost done into an hour 30. Mm -hmm. I probably edit, like, every... Every show, I probably edit out like 15, 20 minutes. Probably. Because there's like, we'll have like a segment, like we'll talk about like something on the bullet points. I'm like, hmm, that's kind of boring. Well, and there's sometimes dead space and. Well, there's dead space and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, like having that, getting that, get one, getting the show tight, one, editing it for content, one, editing it so you don't get in trouble. Um, I mean, I guarantee you the show you're listening to right now has edits because I said shit that I was like, hmm, maybe shouldn't say right. that. I don't, I think we do this pretty well, but you have to have an entertaining show that has right. hosts with good chemistry. Well, I mean, we have Coda Kitty. We have so. Coda Kitty. She's curled up on the couch now. It's good. Looking very cute. Not destroying my chair. So she's been doing it all week. <laughs> but, but that's the stuff that gets lost in the business plan. That's why I say like, it's down to the execution where it's, it's so easy to look on paper and be like podcast. That's how you make this. And this is how you make money with it. Mm -hmm. Go do it. Cool. And you're like, yeah, but so much of that is subjective. Like, I don't know. Like, is this the kind of person I would really want to listen to? Like that, cause that's, that's the judgment you make on the other side of the deal right. as a venture capitalist. Um, for those that don't know, I went to Penn state for my MBA. Penn state has the largest student run uh, venture capital program in the United States. Hmm. Uh, I think at the time we had 10 or 20 million in investment. Holy shit. Um, so I was a part of that and that was, that was a rad experience, but it's like a lot of things like just about everything you come in and see, you're like, oh, yeah, I could see how you make money with that. 
but are you going to be the one that's right. going to make it? Because we have one the idea. Right person for that? I, I can distinctly remember like one business plan came in and you're like, I'm like, yeah, you could totally make money with that. But nothing you're doing is special. So it all comes down to like, can you, you right, right. here in front of me, are you going to be the guy that makes that huge? And they're like, Rah. like, whoa, the whole thing's crazy. The whole concept's crazy. To bring it back to Damon and that whole thing, like I get what they're doing. I get that they're trying to hype their product and hype themselves so that they can get funding. Because you need you need like a hundred million dollars right. to to make a motorcycle company happen. Um, Alta almost did it with sixty Ugh. million, which was impressive. So they're I forget where where Damon's at. I think I want to say they're at like 50, 60, maybe 40 million, somewhere between the 40 and 60 million range. Okay. So like they're like, but that's the thing where it's like the the, the line that gets crossed for me is when they came out with that bike, they're like, we're going to have production in six months. People are going to be getting bikes. And I'm like, bullshit, bullshit. Because I know right now you are just a couple people in Canada and elsewhere kind of virtually working and, and some people in office, but like you, you have no running prototype. You have no production facility. You have no production ready. Like it's one thing to have like a one-off bike, right? You have to basically re-engineer that thing to go into production for for it to be easy to work on, easy to build, and for cost. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't built that bike yet. You haven't figured that out. You haven't ramped up uh, the people that are going to do that, the facility that's going to do that, the supply chain that's going to do that, the dealer network that's going to sell it. So, like, the thing that gets me is when they say shit like, oh, the bike's going to be out in six months. You're like, no, 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 no. That bike's going to be out in, like, two, three years minimum. And that's disingenuous because they know that, too. It's one thing to be like, we have $40 million in in pre-sales. You're like, all right, yeah, you probably actually do. Is that impressive? Well, not really when you do the numbers, but you're not lying, at least. And I have a big issue with that because... For me as an investor, that that would have been a huge trial. You lie to me, I'm fucking done with you. Because again, like I said, a lot of what you're investing in is subjective. Like, yeah, you'll get your accountant, you'll get your quant. They're going to look at the financials. They're going to crush, crunch the numbers, make sure you're not just making up shit. Right. But a lot of it just comes down to like looking at that person and be like, are you going to be the one? Are you going to be the one that makes this happen? Can you trust them? Everything you just wrote in this business plan, can you do that? And And, and it comes down to trust. And that was the best piece of advice I ever got from Warren Buffett was like, if you could invest in people like you could invest in stocks, what quality would you look for? Right. Would it be the smartest people? Mm, Not necessarily. You can be really smart and not be successful. Would be the hardest working people. Well, you can be really hard worker and still not be successful. So that's where I'm at with that. I would not invest in Damon for that reason alone, but you know, uh, clearly somebody is i like cake i like cake a lot six cake just closed 60 million in funding um they're uh, uh i actually got to go visit cake in uh stockholm i got to sit down with stefan ederborn who's their ceo and i gotta i gotta put this podcast out it, it's it's like three four years old now i did it for the motor podcast which apologies for those listeners like that hasn't had a new episode in like three or four years oh shit <laughs> But one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever had on a human. Like we, we talked cake for like 20, 30 minutes. And then we talked like business and life for like another hour. And that's one of those things where like, I'd be like, yeah, I can see why people invest in this guy. Hmm. Cause you see, you listen to him talk. You listen to him like, like share the grand plan. You're like, yeah, that makes sense to me. You're not just sitting here hyping 
some some bullshit and lying about stuff you're actually like doing something so i'm like you know there's some things that are tough with cake like the price points are hard the design is either love it or hate it it's it's like ultra minimalist it's like scandinavian like it's more scandinavian than even this scandinavian can handle sometimes that thing's so scandinavian i wouldn't want to write it in the sun just in case it gets burnt yeah and they have some weird like sustainability goals that maybe is counterproductive for their business in terms of like bottom line but maybe good for the society as a whole so it's interesting (laughs) um but yeah i'd be way more bullish about someone like that than than the than what i've seen from damon so um two very different approaches in my mind do you think they'll ever not cost fifteen thousand dollars for a electric mountain bike for theirs yeah i I mean like part of what they're funding again like like having to visit their facility i'm like oh i get why these are so damn expensive right because my living room is probably the size of their office it's not but maybe my my top floor is the size of their office wow and that's marketing ceo conference room uh reception production engineering like you know it's it's a super small facility they're building it by hand so yeah it's going to cost a lot of money i think they've they've probably moved on to bigger facilities since i was there i was several years ago but you know a large part of this investment is to grow production so there's you know reduction in costs grow out dealer networks grow out supply chain so that they can create machines that are more in line with the costs that consumers are expecting that's 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 what that's exactly what they need the product is good it's fun to ride it's well built it needs to be 25 percent cheaper at least at least I mean, we kind of learned that with alta when they dropped their prices is when they sold the shit ton of bikes yeah so i can see that happening with cake if they can get it to the point where and we've talked about this what does it cost to build one of those does it really cost that much does it need to have oil and suspension on it no probably not Hopefully they're getting a friends and family discount from from Hans up the street, but you know, <laughs> good old Hans Olins. Yeah, I don't know if, who's the starting. I don't know what the founder of Olins's name is. It's Kenth. Uh, Kenth Olin. Uh, Kenth Olin. Kenth Olin. Kenth. Actually, it's Kenth Erlin. Erlin. Coda, do you have anything to say? Coda, Coda. She's dead asleep, dude. She doesn't even care. She's like, fuck you, bitches. When are you guys leaving? Very cute. Her eyes are shut so hard. Well, I think we can get out of this one, sir. Well, let's do it. Let's get, let's get going. As per usual, get out of my house. Go on and follow us on the old Instagram at Brap Talk. Uh, send us emails. I'm enjoying the dad jokes. Are you sure you want me to tell you one of them? Nope. Don't want to hear it. Really? Edit it out. You're so good. Follow us on Instagram at Brap Talk, Twitter at We Brap Talk. Send us emails. We wrap talk at gmail.com. Rate us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Rate us on iTunes, or y'all. It's Apple Podcast now. That's, that's not iTunes anymore, is it? That's still no. 2018. No. Um, send me pictures of your motorcycles. I'm really de- people are right. taking that's better right. and better pictures of uh, bikes, uh, of their pictures of their bikes, and I'm enjoying that. I did peruse the email to look at some pictures, and I was not disappointed. They're pretty good. A lot of older uh, Triumph Speed Triples. We've gotten at least three of those. Hmm. I'm really digging those um yeah you see so, the guy that had the mini virus like the pocket bike virus <laughs> i think it was epic i'll probably put that one up i like these like if you can't tell i have a fetish for bikes with funny front ends you're like <laughs> he's got like a morgan three-wheeler the mini virus <laughs> the regular virus what was the other one there's something else that was funky i just i just like it i like yeah. i'm telling you it's, i just love seeing other people's motorcycles you need to get a nike in there which what he needs to get a nike in there 
We haven't gotten a single. Listen, if you listen to us and you have an icon, send me the photo. I need to see this thing. I will repost it. And it better be a good photo. I'm telling you, rule of threes, pay attention. Take get some bokeh. Get, 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 get some focal, yeah. focal length, some aperture on that. The trick is to step away from the bike and zoom in a little bit. It gets a nice focal thing going. Don't get right up on that thing. Get, step back a little, zoom in a little bit. It just draws the background forward a little bit. That's how I get those nice pictures of Mount Hood behind my bike. F stops your friend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's that's all the plugs that we do at the end of the show. That was good. That's it. Sign up for ANR Pro. I mean, a doy. Please. I remember. <laughs> Pro tires. I got. I got a. I got a. Oh, we forgot to do an ad break. God dang it! I mean, we got to re-record. We got to. We got to record an ad break in there. I think that's the last one on our contract, so I think we got through it. <laughs> we did it. We've done it. Coda, proud of you for sticking it out with us tonight at, uh, what time is it? Is it midnight? It is midnight on the dot. Oh, geez. And uh, on that note, make good choices and safety third. Good talk. See you out and, there. Uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself, Bryson. <laughs> I got a dad joke pick, for you. Nope, nope. Pick, Come on. pick a pick a real email. This isn't just real one. Email. Just one. You don't want a dad joke? No, I don't. I had them out, but it's real good. <laughs> <laughs>